So today's topic title is the size of the father. And this evening we will be looking into the wrath, wrath of God. And in Isaiah we see many characteristics. But one of the, the, the things that we will see is the skill of Isaiah. His prophetic skill has to become our, our, uh, the, the skill of our faith as well. But if you start to get mixed, and the reason why Israel is judged right now is because they have been mixed with the world. And strictly speaking, you cannot serve the Lord whilst serving the world. If, if you're doing that, then you're serving the Lord in the wrong way, in an evil and wicked way. And the reason why you start to get mixed with the world is because you have not received the Lord fully. Your faith should be filled with the Lord only. But since your focus is not in God, you start to seek other things and be filled with the other things such as the world. That is the core reason to syncretism. And what is faith? Faith is the way of life for God. God himself lives according to his faith. And soon, uh, I didn't... I missed one announcement, and that is uh, the new cell group for 2024 will be posted pretty soon. And brothers are usually fine with, with meeting anybody in their cell groups, but there's a lot of issues when it comes to the relationship of the sisters. And so uh, this year, a new set of leaders has been appointed for the female cell group leaders. And the young adults as well. The cell group leaders for the young adults will, I, I think, will no longer be the young adults, but rather have more, more, more the leaders of the church become the cell group leaders for the young adults. So I'm not sure when it will be decided, but it will be decided pretty soon. So if the new cell groups are um, announced, then gather accordingly. And when you sign up for these conferences next year, sign up according to your new cell groups, not your previous cell groups. <coughs> so the scale, the scale of uh, the faith, a prophetic scale of Isaiah is very great. He was able to transcend his own time and also look into the end times and look into revelations. And his, his detail in his prophecies are very uh, great as well. In Hebrews 11, uh, it, Isaiah becomes a martyr under the rule of King Menahem. And he was put into a trunk of a tree and, and sawed in half. And the first time that I preached from Isaiah, you guys were ignorant towards the themes of Isaiah. But now that you have eaten that message already, this time I'm sure you will be, you will listen to it in a different, different perspective. And also, God has renewed the revelation of, of, of Isaiah for me. So there's, there's going to be some things that are new to you and also some things that, will, that are going to be simil uh, 
similar to the to the to the sermon before. So please prepare yourselves to receive this message well. And in this season, especially, we need to be keen towards the direction of the Lord. And that's why in this season, this, the prophetic spirit is very important because it tells us where to go. It, it is in the forefront of, of this race of faith. And if you lose your direction, then you cannot walk on this path properly. And the reason why you lose direction is because you have not become prophetic. You have lost your prophetic uh, anointing. And you need to become prophetic in order to, to, to see the right direction. And if you have this prophetic spirit, then you will see what is happening in the world right now. Because the Holy Spirit lets, lets you know. Who is it? In Numbers 25, God was about to strike Israel for their wickedness. But a leader... A leader uh, committed an immoral sin with with a foreign foreign uh, woman. That leader did not know of the wrath of God, and that's why Phineas went and made him into a skewer. And through that, through that uh, judgment, <clears throat> God was able to subside and delay His judgment and wrath towards Israel. So if you do not know what God is what God is doing right now, then then you wouldn't even know that God is just uh, God is about to strike you down. So that's why in our spiritual lives it is very important for us to live not by our own thoughts but according to the thoughts according to the will of God. And that's why we are looking into the book of Isaiah throughout uh, the season and also this this conference. And receive this prophetic anointing through the, uh, this ex- exposition on Isaiah. So that your spiritual eyes will be opened wide and you will be able to see through the perspective of God and, and discern this, this generation, this season through his, uh, through his eyes. And then your prayer will become more powerful. So spiritual sensitivity is very important. You need to be sensitive towards the Holy Spirit, not just becoming sensitive in your in your body. So I'm not talk. I'm not going to talk about Isaiah's introduction uh, very for a long time because we have all listened to the sermon before. But this sermon itself, this first sermon on Isaiah, is in, in, an introduction to this book. So what is this book? So Isaiah is also a message about uh, judgment and restoration. And alongside of prophets like Amos, his, the, the, the characteristic of Amos was he would preach about judgment for the whole book and then, and then talk about restoration in the very last chapter. <clears throat> but excluding Amos, the, all the rest of the prophets... Uh, follow the pattern of judgment, blessing, judgment, blessing, judgment, restoration, stuff like, and etc. <clears throat> but where is the point of the, the these books? Then the point is not in the judgments, rather in the restoration. The judgment, uh, this judgment that is poured upon Israel, is not because 
the goal for it is, is to restore the nobility that has been given to Israel. Because if, if God's goal was just to, to, for them to maintain holiness, then, then he would have... He would have stopped their lives so that they would return in, uh, to the Lord. But even though this does not apply to those who are living in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, in order to keep their nobility, God had to pour His judgment upon them. And that judgment is also another chance for them to be saved. And that's why even from the Old Testament, God has prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. And God does not leave, uh, cannot leave you in a state of evil, in a state of sin. Because He wants you to, to live according to the glory, the holiness, the nobility that He has given you. So you should not say God, uh, it is, uh, when, when God judges you, it is, He judges you out of His love, not out of hatred. So, and actually the book of Isaiah is a poem. Excluding, I think, chapter 6, chapter 7. The rest of the chapters are like a poem, written like a poem. Because they're very emotional and they, 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 a lot of the words are spoken beautifully. And scholars also uh, define this, this book as a very beautiful and poetic book. Just like my sermons. And that's how Isaiah prophesied. So what is the first judgment? The first judgment Israel receives from uh, Assyria. Secondly, they're destroyed by Babylon, but are restored by Cyrus. And escaping the world is, is the same. In the, in the world as well, uh, Israel, Israel's nobility was taken away and then it was restored by the coming of Jesus. So God has been following the same pattern uh, ever since the Old Testament. And the restoration of Israel and the restoration of the, of the Gentiles are different, but ultimately it is the same because it, it comes, the ultimate restoration comes from, comes from the Messiah. And it, of course, uh, even though Israel's restoration came from Cyrus in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, that restoration, that ultimate restoration is going to come from Jesus. And all the prophets are like this, but especially Isaiah. His, when he prophesies, he's, he's able to see the coming of the Messiah. So he did not simply prophesy about the coming of Jesus. But he was able to see the, the image of the coming uh, of Jesus in his, in his prophecies. So the important thing here to, re to remember here is that the ultimate restoration, the ultimate salvation comes from Jesus, not from any other man. And we who are living the Lord, we need to be able to see beyond our limitations and see into eternity. And if you're, if you're unable to see into eternity, then you're living uh, no better than a day fly. So now, let's go into main text. So, again, Isaiah is a book about judgment and restoration. 
But then who is Isaiah? There's not many things that we know about Isaiah. We don't have a lot of information regarding him. But we look at kings, uh, the kings. It explains Isaiah was was a royal official of the court, and he was able. To, he was uh, close, close. Uh, he was very close with the king, so he had authority to meet the king whenever he wanted and talk with him. And he also had two sons. And especially, more than any other prophet, his, his prophecies were very uh, deep in revelation. Many other prophets prophesied through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But Isaiah, in the, in the case of Isaiah, he spoke directly with God. And... His scale was grand, but also his relationship with the Lord was very intimate. And that's why his prophecies came directly from the Lord and not through the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Isaiah, we, we, we know him as a great pro uh, prophet. No matter how great a person is, It's not, an, it's not a simple task to be able to unravel the revelations of, 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 and the prophecies of 2,000 years into the future. And for a man to be able to sit down and receive these revelations, receive the, these prophecies, prophecies and be able to organize them and write them down is not a simple task. When will be will you will you be uh, will you be going to India next, or not in uh, India but Indonesia? You gotta finish that project quickly since um, you're spending most of the year over there. Please pray for our brother Tongwon, Deacon Tongwon, that he could finish his project in Indonesia quickly and return before uh, his household here <laughs> leaves him. <clears throat> and the, the saints of this church, uh, slowly you guys have to quit your jobs in the world. But you, since you're um, working in LG, you have to wait and, 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 and uh, be promoted in there. Anyways, when are you giving up? I'm sure if you receive a lot of graces in this conference, then uh, God will inspire you and give you faith to give up your jobs. And he has uh, five daughters. Imagine how much he misses them when he is abroad. <clears throat> when I pray for him, um, I have a lot of pity on him. Because he has to spend so much time away from his house and away from uh, away from the church. In a way, he's very isolated. Anyways, where were we? <clears throat> and his father was Amos. 
<clears throat> I think that's that should be enough as an introduction to this book. And thirdly, the historical background of Isaiah. I think I spoke about the background of Isaiah for two hours before. And we don't have any reason to go back into it today since we have done it before. The first half of Isaiah talks about the, 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 the attack of uh, what nation was it, Aram? And in today's geography, it's going to be the region of, of Iran. So the nation that was in charge of that, that piece of land was Assyria. And back then, God would use the power of Isaiah to either strike Israel or to, or, or, or he used them to shift, he shifted around the power of Assyria according to the spiritual state of, of Israel. So during uh, the reign of Jeroboam II in, in the northern uh, Israel, in the, and during the reign of uh, King Uzziah in the southern Israel, that's when when the power of Assyria, they were fighting against other nations, and so they were unable to, to threaten Israel while, by holding hands with the Palestinians. So in this time, Israel, because they were not threatened as much, they flourished and they were very rich. And whilst they were being blessed in this way, they should have turned their focus to Lord, to the Lord. But rather, but, but, but rather than doing that, they turned away from it. And that's why, that's why uh, <clears throat> God is, 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 is speaking to Isaiah regarding this, this judgment coming towards them. And in our lives, it is the same. When our lives become comfortable, when we feel secure, that's when we should be, be more focused on God, but we tend to fall away from Him. And like I always say before, when you live with the Lord, your necessities will be taken care of, taken care of by Him. He's going to feed you. He's going he's gonna to let you live. 34 years ago, when I met the Lord for the first time, only for a year did I struggle with money because uh, I had to go through a time of training with the Lord. But after, after uh, the first year, God, I, have, I had never once that I worry about what to eat, what to wear, and or how to take care of my family. Uh, take care of my family. Only for a, a couple of months that I struggle, and from then on, I was fine with the Lord. And back then, uh, I had so little money that even my parents and my, my, uh, my wife's parents had to work. And that really broke my heart because uh, to see my parents having to work because we couldn't feed ourselves. But when you, when you are living with Jesus and you're struggling to feed yourselves, and that is a very serious and, and, and dangerous spiritual state that you're in because you're not trusting in the Lord that he's, he's going to take care of you. Because, and also the kingdom of God works through its, uh, the Lord's abundance. And if you're struggling in your life right now, then you're not, you're not living in His kingdom. 
So if, you're, if you have this struggle, then you're in a serious, serious state. And becoming rich is not something that you should be concerned of. It is a matter of calling, not a matter of skill. If God calls you to become rich so that you can support others, others then He will make you rich. So you, you have no reason to pray before the Lord saying, Lord, I will become that rich man because it is a matter of calling. And if that is your calling, then you need to prepare a faith that you will not be, you will not be corrupt, corrupted when the money comes. And you need to become truthful and sincere before the Lord so that whatever He gives you, whatever He blesses you with, He will bless others and not, be, not, not keep it to yourselves. In a sense, it is a spiritual gift that God has given you for you to become a source of blessing to others and a source of blessing for the church. So you, should not, you, you cannot become greedy. You cannot be tempted by that money. And if you keep yourselves away from these sinful desires, then the Lord's blessings for you will not be limited in any way. So if, if God has given you that calling of, of becoming abundant, becoming rich, then you need to stray away from the temptation of greed. In Isaiah, in the time of King Uzziah and, and uh, Jeroboam II, through Isaiah, God has spoken to Israel saying, you need to be careful of these riches. And since Israel is in this state right now, God is starting to move the nation of Isaiah, uh, Assyria to threaten um, Israel. And through the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, soon the destruction of Israel has come upon this nation. But later on, to restore Israel, uh, God brought, brings destruction upon uh, Assyria. <clears throat> and Isaiah lived in a, in a very difficult time because so many things were happening in this during his time period. Even though Israel just came back from captivity, Isaiah had to be the one to, to, to talk about going again into captivity. Because Israel was in, a, in, this, in this wicked cycle of continuing to, 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 to go against the Lord, be judged, be broken down, and coming back to the Lord to be restored, and then falling into sin again. When you look in the Bible and look at Israel, you might say, how stupid are they to do so? But look at your lives. Look at what you're doing. Are you, are you much different, are you much different than to Israel? Isn't it the same? Don't you also fall into sin, uh, be, be, um, be accused by your sin, you repent before the Lord, you're restored, you feel joyful and, and you feel gratitude towards the Lord, but then you go back to sinning. You keep turning in this, this hamster wheel. So, so, so look back upon your lives right now. 
when you look at Israel in the Old Testament, when you look at Israel through, the, through these prophetic books, you have to realize that Israel cannot be looked down upon. They're actually very great. They're very uh, excellent and talented. And they have a love for God. But because they have not lived by faith, they, they uh, impart their wicked cycle to the next generation and to the next generation. In today's world as well, you cannot see a lot of people that are able to escape the cycle of sin. Only those who truly are living with the fullness of the Holy Spirit are able to keep themselves, keep themselves from falling into the cycle and be free of it. And there are many reasons to your fall. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's people. But look at yourselves objectively right now. Do you truly have no issues with what Babylon gives you? Does money, uh, is, is money truly not an issue for you? Whether you have it or not. And you cannot be tied to people as well. And most of you parents, you're tied to your children. Then you're confined to the cycle. So the wickedness of Israel and all the events that happened in, in the book of Judges, you cannot judge Israel saying they were wicked. Because uh, they're, they're, these events that are happening to them and their spiritual state cannot be dictated by their own skill, by their own thoughts as well. And that is the same for us. If we, if we are not under the rule of the Lord and we are under the rule of Babylon, then you will live foolishly just as Israel lived in the Old Testament. And these are all things that I have talk, talk, talked about uh, in the book of Judges. And many of us, alongside of Israel, even though we know this cycle is bad, is, is wicked, we cannot escape it with our own, own strength. So through the book of Isaiah this time, you need to see how, how meaningless and how foolish these actions are and, what, and how foolish this cycle is. If you, are, if you are captured by the ways of Babylon, then you will not be able to keep yourself from living this uh, sort of life cycle. And through this conference, you need to <clears throat> allow the Lord to come and help you to escape from the cycle of Babylon. And a lot of people in the world, when they believe in the Lord, they just think that, that, that salvation is a, is, a, is a ticket to heaven. And they're satisfied with just that, that they have been saved. But that's not it. The, the, Bible, the, the whole Bible talks about something much greater, which is the glory of God. And so in our lives on this earth, we are not just to, we are not just, we should not be satisfied with, with getting a ticket to heaven, but rather we need to we're, uh, walk towards, run towards reaching that glow, goal of being glorified by God. And since we live with Jesus, He has given us all the answers to our solution. And when he comes upon this earth, he's going to bring his solutions with him. But it is best for us to resolve these issues before he comes. Because we can just enjoy that time with him then. 
something that is that should be enough for the historical background of Israel or Isaiah. But if you're really curious about this, this, the history of Israel, then listen to my previous sermons. So back then, uh, Egypt was in, it was in charge of the Palestinians. But then later on, Assyria came along and they, they came into power. And from then on, Israel, uh, Assyria has become the powerhouse of the, the Babylonian system. And before the time, the reign of Assyria, Egypt had, uh, I, uh, Israel had a relatively good time with Egypt. They were able to enjoy their riches. But the Babylonian system was established by uh, Assyria. And Assyria was the first nation that implemented the, 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 the principles of an empire upon uh, the Palestinian world. And they spread that ideology uh, across the world through their example. And I think that should be, that should do it for the historical background. So this was uh, what Israel was going through at the moment. So King Uzziah and, and Jeroboam II appeared during a time when, um, when Assyria was more focused on other nations such as Elam and they could not, not threaten Israel as much. And that's why Israel prospered and they were um, flourishing with, with riches. But during the time of Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, that's when Assyria turned their attention towards the Palestinian world and also uh, Israel. And that's when Israel went into a time of difficulty. And that is uh, also when Isaiah was recorded. It kind of feels like a lecture today, doesn't it? And I went into more detail during the first time that I preached from Isaiah. So listen to that sermon if you are curious. So Isaiah is divided into three parts. And, the all, uh, and these three parts are divided by the time frame of the prophecies. So uh, the first part goes from one chapter 1 to chapter 30, 30-something, 30 and the second part is from 40 to, to 56, and then the rest is uh, 56 to the end of the, of the book. So the time frame of the prophecies and also the, the context of these prophecies are very different from chapter to chapter. So let's finish the uh, sermon briefly today. <laughs> because we only have nine verses to, uh, this morning. So let's look at verse one. So the ver verse one is the introduction to, to Isaiah. But when we look at the book as a whole, chapter 1 to chapter 6 uh, is the introduction to the whole book. And Isaiah was a, was a prophet, was an active prophet 10 years before the death of Uzziah. And 
And Uzziah was supposed to be the king that brings restoration to Israel. But King Uzziah dies in chapter 6. So are you able to understand the scale of uh, Isaiah? To receive uh, the, the anointing of, of the prophet Isaiah and expand your scale of faith according to it. So as this message is being proclaimed, you will receive this strong prophetic anointing. And the skill of your prophecies, the, the, the visions that you see have to expand as well. Especially the prophetic leaders. Your prophecies can no longer be dull, can no, can no longer be vague and abstract. You need to, have, you need to be able to receive precise prophe prophecies that look into the future. And today, when, I'm, when I was praying for four hours this morning, Uh, I woke up late, so I, I could only pray for four hours. And every morning, I would pray for each member of the church by name. But the people that I pray for later on, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a little, I'm a little sorry because I, in the end, I'm so tired that I only speak your, I only speak out your names and uh, and are unable to pray in detail for you. But that doesn't mean I don't, I don't pray for you. But anyways, through this book, you need to expand your prophetic skill and your prophecies have to become more, uh, more detailed, more specific. In the case of Trump, be, uh, because of the limitations of the prophetic skill of this church, we are unable to see, foresee that he will not be re-elected as the president. Is because we couldn't see in detail uh, into the future. So that's why through this book, we need to sharpen our prophetic uh, scale. We need to be above all else and be able to see down uh, and discern everything. And we are living in an age where prophecies are very important because the upcoming events are all written in the Bible and they are happening right before our eyes. And according to, the, to eschatology, we already know who the great prostitute is, and, and, and soon we will know who the Antichrist is. And because I'm an uh, apostle, I'm not in charge of, 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 of uh, prophesying the upcoming events. We need to be able to see how God is going to fulfill His promises and prophecies in the new future. What's going to happen in, in these wars? These are all things that we need to be able to see in detail. Look at what is happening in, in, the, in the war. War uh, in the Middle East right now and also in Russia. Israel, uh, I, uh, the U.S. Is, pretty, is soon going to stop supplying those wars. And that's why Russia will be um, is going to win this war by decision. In this way, you need to uh, be able to specifically see what, what, what is going to happen in the future. To see where the war is headed, how it's going to end, how it's going to affect the Middle East, or what, what biblical significance these wars have, according to the Bible. Because these major wars are all recorded in, these, uh, in the prophetic books. 
And also these prophecies are, I'm pretty sure, already being shared in the prophetic intercession, I'm sure. So, but you have to expand your scale and be able to look further into the future and look in detail as well. Anyways, let's move on. So verse 1, it talks about the four kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Ezekiah. And these prophecies are recorded around B.C. 800 to B.C. 701, and that's when uh, Israel was conquered by Israel, uh, Assyria. And Isaiah prophesies about not just, not just Israel, but he prophesies about uh, basically the whole world back then. And since Isaiah was serving, uh, serving God, God is not just focused on Israel, just focused on Isaiah as a person, but because he envelops the whole world, he lets us know about what is happening in the whole world in our time and in the time in the future. So the, the scale given to the church as well is not a small scale, but a universal scale. And some of you, when you listen to this, this you will be burdened by it. No, can a, uh, but can a caterpillar be burdened by eating, eating plants, eating grass? No, it is its natural way of life to eat plants, to eat uh, these, these, uh, this grass. And the reason why our kids are going on uh, remnant training is, is not because they want to go, but because it, it is a task, it is a calling that God has given to them. And so they are not burdened by it. They're not burdened by the money as well because God is going to bless them with the money uh, that they need for this trip. So it is a, mash, uh, it is a, a matter of, 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 of calling, it's a matter of essence. And this is the way uh, that God, the, uh, God is uh, reigning over us. So if you do not realize who you are, if you do not live according to the identity that God has given you, then you're living at a, at a great loss. If you, if you do not forget who you are in the Lord, then you will never be led astray. No matter how much you, you tell a dayfly that meat is delicious, that dayfly will not be able to eat, eat meat. And caterpillars as well, they do not eat meat because they're herbivores. It's the same. God has given us His nobility and that nobility brings us victory only. There's no defeat. There's no failure. And so do you think about defeat? defeat? No, right? This is how you should respond. Do not think about defeat. Because it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with, with you in nature. But what is the fearful thing? The amazing thing is that God, when you do not think about defeat and only think about victory, that's how God is going to lead you to be. For 25 years in this, in this ministry, according to the standard of the world, I may be, I may be called a failure because... Because only 50 churches are left in Zoran ministry, even though we have poured everything in this ministry. So many people have run away. So many people have deserted us. 
for the past 25 years. And in this church as well, thousands of people have come and went from this church. And now we only have five, uh, less, less than 500 people in this church. And of course, I'm very thankful for you all. But according to the standards of the world, I would be called a failure. But never once that I uh, regard myself as a failure. And after 25 years now, finally God is helping us to see uh, the fruit that he wants us to bear. So this is how amazing it is to live according to the essence that God has given you, live according to this identity of God. But if you only think about defeat, if you think about failures, then that's how you're going to live. And you need to confirm all this. And not just me, but all those who have lived with the Lord properly for, for uh, throughout human history have lived in this time, sort of lifestyle. Even if you are a beggar, you, are, you do not live like a beggar. Even if you struggle with life, it doesn't mean that you are a beggar. And also, living as a beggar isn't that bad because your only issue is what to eat and what to wear. And the rest doesn't really matter because you can sleep wherever you want. You can move wherever you want. You're not tied to your work. In a, and kind of in a similar way, because we are a child of God and, and because God is, possesses everything in this world, the, the, this whole earth, the whole, the whole earth is actually our home. And so we can sleep wherever we want, we can eat wherever we want, and we can go wherever we want. Anyways. <clears throat> so God is speaking to the whole world through Isaiah. Look at verse 1. But the visions concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah... And even though God is speaking about the whole world through Isaiah, the core and the focus of the Lord is on Judah, on Jerusalem, which is Israel. Even though, the, even though many nations in the world say they are the best, they are, they are the most important nation, they are the most powerful nation, but where is the focus of the Lord? His focus is on uh, Israel. His focus is on His churches. So if you do not know the church, then you cannot know the scale of God. You cannot know the scale of the world. Only when you know God can you know who you are in Him. And that's why for the past 25 years, I have been speaking to you about the importance of ecclesiology because it is so important and so crucial for us to understand what the church is. Just as God rules over the world through Israel, God rules over this world through His churches as well. So only when you're a part of this church, only when you're part of a true church of the Lord, can you understand the world through the scale of God. So all the prophecies written in Isaiah, even though it may talk about many other nations, it is geared towards Israel, towards Judah and Jerusalem. And, that, and since God rules uh, the world through the churches, 
whether he judges the world or whether he blesses the world is, is done according to the holiness of his churches. So even though Korea may go through up, ups and downs and there, there are many political things that are happening that, that does not please the Lord, we are not that concerned about it because as, as long as this church, as long as the churches of Korea stay strong and stay st- uh, firm in their faith and holiness, in the long run, uh, this, the, what this nation does will not become a great issue because ultimately God reigns over this uh, nation through the churches. And it's up to, it is up to Him to decide. And that's why I do not care about what is happening in the political scene right now. I just say, just come out, do whatever you want. Because in the end, God is going to change everything for His goodness. And uh, like I prophesied before, the, the president of 2027 has to be connected with us, has to be connected with me. Let's move on. But anyways, uh, Israel is the core of the Lord's kingdom on this earth. And that's why I always make fun of those pastors who say, oh, because of the current economic uh, state of this nation, we have to do this, we have to do that. When the rest of the churches shut their, down their churches during the pandemic and weren't able to even pay their rent, we actually flourished. Our church flourished in that, in that season. And we, we even held more conferences, conferences than normal. And through that, God has blessed us. He has blessed us. He has blessed our, our, our church businesses. It's because we did not focus on the regulations, on the rules and the restrictions of the world, but rather we focused on the will of God. Strictly speaking, when you have to earn money, you cannot earn money whilst everybody else is trying to earn money. You, own, you earn money when everybody else is losing money. So, and that's exactly what we did. When everybody else couldn't do something, couldn't gather, couldn't earn money, that's when we stepped in and received the blessing of the Lord. Let's move on. It is the same for the church. When the rest of the world is, is falling into religion, that's when God is helping us to become more and more holy. I'm very thankful for all those who are fasting in this church. You are fasting to to help keep and defend the holiness of this church. So do you want to uh, fast 50 days then? But that is not biblical, so just, just stay with 40 days. And the word vision here, or revelation, is the word hazon. And it means to reveal, that God has revealed something to His people. But when you look at the prophetic books, Isaiah uses the word hazon, but Habakkuk uses the word masah. And Masa uh, means burden. And then Habakkuk was burdened by his prophecies. And Zechariah uses the word debar, which is the proclamation of God. And they all use different terminology to, ref- to refer to their, their, their specific type of prophecies. Habakkuk uh, was burdened. Uh, Zechariah uh, defines 
these prophecies as the message of God, as the proclamation of God. But even though they may differ in definition a little bit, they, are, they basically mean the same thing. That God is revealing His decisions, His will, and His promises to the world. So the spirit of revelation and the spirit of the prophet are very similar and very close. And they come, they come hand in hand. When revelation is given to you, you have to unravel that through the prophetic spirit. And through the prophetic spirit, God also gives you his revelations. So prophecy is God revealing his will regarding the world. But the bother is a proclamation. When he says, let there be light, uh, light was was created. And when these, prophet, when these prophets proclaim the prophecies of the Lord, it, it comes true later on in their time or later on in the future. And the Bible is an authority that God has given to all of us. So your prayers, your, your prayers are basically proclamations. So your your proclamations will come true, and that's why you need to be careful of what you speak of. And when you pray for two hours, uh, at the very least for 30 minutes, your prayer will be, will be filled with proclamations rather than just regular prayer. And what does it mean to request something from God? Requesting things from the Lord means you're praying to God for Him to do something. Sometimes, it, when you pray to the Lord about something, it, it forces God's hand to go against His previous declaration. For example, He brought He brought you um, poverty in order for you to learn uh, to 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 escape greediness. But if you pray to the Lord, Lord, would you help me to 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 uh, stop with the struggle? Then God has to go against His previous decision to make you poor and, and bless you with His riches so that you will be restored. So this, that is the difference between proclamation and request uh, and requesting. People who are able to live according to the promises of the Lord, their prayers are filled more with uh, proclamations. And for me, in my, uh, in my case, I think 70% of my prayer is filled with proclamations and only 30% is filled with uh, re- requests. Because some uh, members of the church require a lot of requests from me. Lord, would you help this person out? Pour your compassion upon him. Show them your mercy. But the reason why I don't request so much is because uh, it, it forces the Lord to go against his own decisions. Let's say somebody sinned. Then I would, then I would request the Lord to forgive that person's sin. And as you know, that also goes against my personality as well. I would much rather pray, Lord, would you break him, break him down even more? And the thing is, if, if my heart is, is uncomfortable and inconvenienced, and God's heart is also uncomfortable and inconvenienced by, by, by certain requests, then I will not pray about that topic for a long time. 
But if I'm sure about the promises of the Lord, then it will come out as a proclamation. Because I know for I know for sure that God is going to listen to this proclamation and work according to it to fulfill it. So we all must be able to offer up this proclamation of faith because we know about the promises of the Lord. And Masah, according uh, the, the the word used in Habakkuk, when when God speaks to you, you are burdened by the great weight of this gospel, and. And as a recipient of this message, you need, because it is such a great burden, you need to, you need to, you need to uh, rapidly unravel it to the people, speak it to the people, share it with the people. Because it is so, the, 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 the weight of this message is so great that you cannot keep it to yourself. So if you, and you can, you can use whatever, uh, use your uh, terminology you want. You can use hazon, you can use debater, and masa. I think masa doesn't really suit you guys though. But there are times in our lives that God comes to you in, in the form of masa. And masa, the, the Prophetic characteristic of Masal comes to you when God wants you to evangelize, when you when He wants you to share this gospel with somebody else. But now let's move on to verse two to four. Like I said before, during the time of King Uzziah, it was the second time of um, prosperity for Israel. What is the reason God allowed this prosperity to come upon Israel? It was the will of the Lord to, to establish Israel as a great nation uh, prophetically during this era. And Israel should have, should have uh, followed that, 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 the guidance of the Lord to become that powerhouse. But in case of doing so, they fell away from the Lord even more. They fell into a desire of pleasure. They fell into idolatry. And now God is sending his, his, his warning to Israel. And he's lamenting to Israel saying, I gave you these riches. I gave you this time of prosperity to, for you to become a great nation in me. But yet you have turned away from me. And that's why he sent his prophet Isaiah to, to speak this warning to Israel. <clears throat> Let's not talk too much about the political, political situation of Israel and the surrounding nations. But during the time of King Uzziah, to, according to 2nd King, up, up until like half, the halfway point of the reign of Uzziah, Israel was doing well before the Lord. But it was the la latter half where Israel started to turn away from God. And they, got, they started to get corrupted through these riches. Uzziah, Uzziah reigned for 51 years. And I think Jotham only reigned for 12. So up until King Uzziah, Israel had hope. But the prosperity that was uh, given to Israel when the, uh, during the reign of Uzziah was passed on to the rest of the other kings. But rather than, uh, 
being focused on serving the Lord with these riches, starting from Jotham to Ahaz, these kings have, have brought corruption upon Israel during their reign. And starting from verse 2, Isaiah prophesies to Israel. And verse 2 to 4, talk about um, a court trial. And God is calling the witness to the stand right now. Hear me, you heavens, listen, earth. God has chosen the heavens and the earth to be the witness, witnesses in this trial. And why is that? It's because the heavens and earth were there when Israel was corrupted, and also there when Israel was uncorrupted. They were there throughout the whole time of, of the history of Israel, so they can become true witnesses to this crime. And they have disobeyed the Lord and broken His covenant. So the heavens and the earth are called to be the witnesses to this crime that Israel has committed against the Lord. So hear me, you heavens, listen, earth. God is expressing His broken heart to, to uh, Israel. And God would not have had to open this trial if Israel was obedient. But since he, they turned away from him, he has to hold this trial. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. So ever since Exodus, Israel was called as the firstborn of the Lord. So God, and God has chosen Israel to become his firstborn. And being a firstborn has a lot of meanings, but the most important meaning is that you become an heir to the, to, to, uh, the inheritance of your parent. So it is a great calling that God has given to Israel and also given to us. He has called each one of us to be his first, firstborn, to be his uh, children. He did not call you just to, to, for you to um, barely reach heaven. We can talk about this in many perspectives. Uh, authority, power, blessings, all these are given to you because you are a child of God, because you are, you are an heir. And so he treats you differently. He does not treat you lightly. He listens to your prayers and he's, he's weighed down by your prayers as well because they're so uh, uh, important to him. Think about how that is possible. How, how no, um, noble it is that God, the King, the creator of the world is burdened by your prayers, that he listens to it so carefully. And he thinks about it. He contemplates your prayers. He never dismisses your prayers lightly. It's because you are the firstborn, because you are, your heir, uh, because you are his heirs. Even right now, if you do not understand this fully, then you're living a life of religion. The reason why we pray is not because you need something, not because you have a lot of issues that you need to deal with. No, the reason why you have to pray is because God has given you nobility. 
as a, as a child of God, as an heir of the Lord, as an inheritor of His kingdom, you, you should have this responsibility. You should be burdened by this title because you're in charge of this, uh, of this universe. I am a pastor. There are many reasons why I have to pray, but I do not pray because of this ministry. Bec- but I pray because God gives you life through me. So I cannot, pr- I cannot stop my prayer for you. It is a duty of love that God has given t- uh, to me as the head pastor of this church. And also as an heir, as a, as a firstborn, because of, because of this identity, God has given you uh, his duties as well. And that's why he gives you power, authority. Stop praying about uh, the lack of money. Because he does not treat your prayers lightly. When he says, I rear children, he reared you, he has brought you up to be his firstborn. But they have rebelled against the Lord. And that's why the Lord is heartbroken. Verse 2 to 4 talks about this trial. And God has called up his witnesses and he's explaining, accusing Israel of their sins. And, and if God's goal was just for Israel to know of their sins, then he would just have, he would have just spoken to them about their sins. But the reason why he's, he's doing this, calling out witnesses and, and all that is because Israel is not just a child, but, he, but they are the firstborn. They are the heirs to the kingdom of God. And it's the same for you. Look at the amount of prayers that I have offered to the Lord regarding you guys, regarding the, the members of this church. I'm not boasting of what I have done for this church, but it is something that I have to do because... Because of how noble you are and because of your great calling to this church, that is why God tells me and, 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 and guides me to pray for you so much. He does not treat you lightly and thus I cannot treat you lightly as well. If you reject uh, what I'm saying right now, then you, you need to encounter the Lord. Where else can you go to listen to this truth? Since since you have listened and received this truth, you need to be responsible and be accountable for this truth. And yet you do not evangelize. And it was the same for Israel. God has poured his everything upon Israel. Isn't it? This is how God has regarded Israel, and this is how God has regarded you. In the Bible, it says God has bought the church with the price of uh, His blood. And it is said that for for the first two years when you're taking care, when a mother is taking care of a child, the amount of blood that goes into nurturing that child is around two gallons. And when you're when you understand the love of, that the love of the Lord for us is greater than that of the love 
of our, of our parents, then you realize how precious you are in the eyes of God, how He treats you, how He regards you. So this court trial is not open just to go through the regulations, but to show Israel how much God loves them. And that applies to the church. If you're walking correctly with the Lord and you're, you're, you're maturing in Him, then that means you're resolving all your spiritual issues within yourselves and becoming holier and holier before the Lord. Israel as well should be, should be uh, maturing the Lord and understand that God loves them, uh, loves them as, uh, as their Heavenly Father, that He loves them more than He loves uh, their surrounding nations. And there's no reason why they should receive this love. They were not deserving of this love. But God gave them this love out of His grace. So, is it justified for Israel to turn against the Lord, for them to rebel against Him? No. If you understand the agape, the love of the Lord, just a little bit, then there's nothing else in the world that can, that can cause you to, to rebel against the Lord. In many ways, the reason why you rebel against the Lord, the reason why you reject Him, is because you don't understand His love. Maybe that is because, because you, don't, you do not understand the love of your parents as well. And some of you are more focused, more focused on the love of the Lord through His actions. And we shouldn't disregard his, his, uh, the blessings that He has given us. But you shouldn't be focused on just the blessings, on just the actions, acts of love that He has given, uh, shown you. But you need to look at the love of the Father Himself. Look at our parents. We are thankful to them when they feed us, when they nurture us, when they buy us th things. And even that it, in itself is, is, is the reason why you have to treat your parents with respect and with love. But that is not all that our parents do for us. Likewise, God's love for us is not limited to just His actions, to just His blessings. But He loves us so much that He was willing to give up His own Son, willing to strike down His own Son for us, for us to be saved. Only those who are, have seen that love and received that love will understand what His love is. And the reason why you reject Him is because you have not seen and, re and received this love yet. Verse 3, the ox knows its master, the donkey its own uh, manger. But Israel does not know my people to understand. So we need to know the Lord, we need to experience the Lord. And that means to understand and see His love. When you understand His love, that means you understand the Lord deeply. And the, one of the reasons why you have to continue to encounter the Lord is to be exposed to His love, to understand His love. And through that love, you understand His will, His promises, His prophecies. You understand His characteristics, what He likes, what He doesn't like, what He loves. Through your encounter with Him, He lets you know of these things. 
And when you encounter the Lord, he, he continues to unravel his mysteries to you. So you shouldn't just say, oh, I met him today that, and, and I'm satisfied with my encounter. No, you have to go deeper into that relationship and, and receive more and more. Why is there no growth in your spirit? It's because you're, you're not meeting the Lord anymore. Why are you mixed? Why are you corrupted? It's because you're not, you, don't, you do not encounter the Lord and you don't understand who he is. Look at verse 3, the ox knows and the donkey knows its own master. Even these animals know their masters because they, they realize who feeds them, who takes care of them. Anyways, they know their master because the master feeds them. And who is Israel? But it says Israel does not know. That's how much they have fallen away from the Lord. Even these wild beasts are able to recognize their own masters and recognize who feeds them. But yet Israel cannot, does not recognize the Father anymore. God has fed them and, and cared for them and helped them to survive in the wilderness for 40 days. Imagine how much resources it required to feed those millions in the wilderness. So Israel has lost sense of everything. They have lost their, their basic uh, instincts. And for you guys as well, do you think you will be able to feed yourselves and live a comfortable life without the help of the Lord? No. But if you start to reject the Lord, you will stop to understand Him. Imagine if God just stopped giving us His grace then you would have to pay for the price of breathing in oxygen because all this belongs to the Lord. You have to pay for being, for, for being, being exposed to the sun. Verse 4, Woe to, this, to the sinful nation. They have lost sight of the holy, um, holy promise of the Lord. So it is over for them, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers. They're in a state where they cannot bear this, the weight of sin anymore. And being a brood of evildoers means you're not just affecting yourself, but you're affecting others. You're stealing, you're, you're, you're plunging others, purging others. You might say, I'm not, I'm not that bad yet. But if you continue to live without the Lord, then you will not, you, the, 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 the selection of sin is not up to you to decide. And even though they, uh, and that's why, even though David was, uh, was a powerful king and he was able to say that I'm not afraid of, 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 of the 10 million of other nations, but I'm fearful when it comes to sin. I'm fearful when it comes to the Lord. Because the selection of sin, choosing sin is not up to you to decide. And when your, when your portion of sin and desire reached, reaches a certain point, then the enemy will forcefully uh, make you sin because you cannot control yourself anymore. 
and their children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. And even though God has given every, His everything to Israel, even though He has His shed blood to, 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 to nurture this infant, this child that, that he has nurtured, uh, when he held it up to his face, the head cracked open and a serpent came out of his head. And ma- mothers, imagine if that happened to you after, after giving birth to your child after, uh, after nine months of labor. Imagine if that child turned out to be a snake. And that's the heart of the father right now. And they have turned their backs on him, which means their relationship with the Lord has ended. And they have shown the Lord <clears throat> how sinful they are by being mixed, by falling into syncretism, by allowing Baal and other idols to come into their households. And that can happen to you even if you have uh, attended church for 10 years, for 20 years. Because if you live a religious life, then all this possibility is still within you. Because a life of religion has nothing to do with God. And in the end, when, when, uh, when, when, when the unification of all the religion happens, that is the climax of, of the spirit of religion. And only those who are willing to give their life for the truth will stand against them not going to that newly formed uh, unified religion. People who fall into the spirit of religion, they have a possibility of never actually knowing the Lord, meeting the Lord uh, at the end of their the of, of lives. And so their, their lives, even though they attend church, may not be guaranteed by the Lord. And at the end of their lives, they will become people that have nothing to do with God. And that is, this is something to be, uh, to be afraid of. Just staying in church is not enough. Look at, look at Habakkuk. Who is the evil one? The, the book of Habakkuk does not depict the, 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 the Gentiles, the foreigners, as the evil ones. But he calls Israel the evil ones because they have, they have, they have started to live by, their, by, theirs, uh, by themselves according to their own strength and own will. And that's why for 25 years I have been screaming at you to not live according to your own strength, your own thoughts, your own will, your own standards. And the current generation of young adults, this is why you guys, uh, it is very dangerous for you. Because you live in a generation of smartphones. And smartphones are causing you to become very self-centered. You, you, you create your own world around you and live in it. So the young adults of this generation, the generation of smartphones, they do not understand what it means to live under the reign of God. They do not understand the glory of God. Even in this church, that is the case. Of course, the, tro- the young adults in this church are different from the young adults of the world. 
This is why young adults are, are not attending church anymore because they have all fallen into the system of self-centeredness and they have created their own world so they, have, they don't want anything to do with this church anymore. The church no longer brings them joy. Eating the word of the Lord, praying before the Lord, un, uh, uh, enjoying His presence is no longer something that they desire. But they chase after the, the pleasures of the world. But we have a taste of what it means to be in His presence. And that's why we continue to hold on to this church and follow after the Lord. But a lot of the young adults of this world right now, they're, they're satisfied with what they have. They're satisfied with the, with the world that they have created for themselves. If you, if you do not experience the fullness of the Lord, then a certain portion of yourself will be filled by your own world and filled with self-centeredness. But that's why I tell you to, I continue to tell you guys to empty yourself because only when you empty yourself can you create space to be filled by God. But these kids who live with these smartphones, they fill that space, they fill that void with their own world and they become their own kings and they make, uh, they, they, they form these boundaries around them and nobody can penetrate their boundary. And look at our kids. There are many reasons why they're, they're, they're filled with the Lord. Well, but one of the big reasons that they, they can maintain the fullness of the Lord is because they do not have cell phones. So even if you graduate from, from this school, I strongly advise you to, to not get smartphones until you're ready for it. And not just the kids, but this applies to the adults of this church. Recently, I changed my phone to a newer, newer model. And one of the functions that, that it has is it gives me a weekly re report on how much I have used the phone for an average amount of time that week. And it shows you the apps that, that, that you have spent time in. Yeah, I think that is a great function. I'm very thankful for that weekly report because it shows me how much I have been using this smartphone. And if your phone does not have that function, then, then please change to a newer, newer phone. But, but almost all phones have it nowadays, so. But I've been using my previous phone for eight years, so it was a huge upgrade for me. But anyways, listen carefully. It's very important. People who have their own worlds cannot experience the fullness of the Lord. That's why young adults are filled by their own worlds. And according to Isaiah, the enemy continues to give us chances and give us, give us openings to, to commit a sin against the Lord. And when you're filled with your own world, when you're filled with your own world, you're filled with this possibility of accepting those, those uh, temptations. And that's exactly what uh, Israel, Israel was doing in this point. Even though they have rebelled against the Lord and thrown away Him, thrown away the grace of the Lord, they do not realize what they are doing. They say, we still serve the Lord in our temples. We just also serve Baal. We also just want this and want that. 
And they still give their offerings to, to God every week. And, the, and that's why they, they, are, um, they feel shameless before the Lord because they have done all the things that they think it is necessary to serve God. Let's move on. Verse 4. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel. So if you forsake the Lord and if, if you fall into syncretism, if you fall after Baal, then you're, you're are mocking the Lord and you're turning away from God and you have ended your relationship with God. And you, rather than, than, and than uh, maintaining a good relationship with God, you start to use Him for your own benefit and you fall into a life of religion. So this is the dangers of the, uh, uh, of the spirit of religion. You, you, you use the Lord as a tool. You use the Holy Spirit as a tool for your ministry. And most of the churches in the world fall into two categories. One is a church that uses the Holy Spirit as a tool, and one is a church that does not know the Holy Spirit. So which church do you think is better? God is not... God is actually more angry towards the church that uses the Holy Spirit as a tool for their own benefit, for their own ministry. Because the church that does not know the Holy Spirit still has a chance to know and understand and, and get close with the Holy Spirit. But a church that uses the Holy Spirit, uh, God is very dis, uh, displeased and His wrath is, is raging against Him. So that's why we have to be careful of this. We need to treat the Holy Spirit with respect and and and. and and understand that he is a very personal being. He's very personal. He's sometimes he's angry towards us. Sometimes he he's, he's in pain. Sometimes he's sad for us. So the Trinity, they all have. They all have share some characteristics, but they also have different characteristics. Jesus is the one that forgives us, cares for us, nurtures us. But the Holy Spirit is different. The Holy Spirit is very sensitive to holiness. So if there's impurity, impurities within you, then he would step back and, and, and remove himself immediately. So you have to understand the characteristics of, of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not as patient. And so do not quote me in this. Do not say, just go around saying, oh, Pastor Kim said the Holy Spirit does not have any patience. But what does it mean that he does not have patience? It means he does not, he's not patient with wickedness. He's not patient with sin. When there's sin, when there are impurities, he steps back immediately. When you do, when you, and when you do not understand that characteristic of the Holy Spirit, then you will not be able to live with Him well. 
to these people, they, they, they treat the Holy Spirit as a tool. And so whenever they're engaging in ministry, they are able to do it well. They're able to prolong the presence of the Lord. But as soon as that worship is over, as soon as their ministry is done, they will turn away from the Holy Spirit and lose that, that, that presence. They will turn to games, their cell phones, to movies. It's because you do not treat the, per- the Holy Spirit as, as, a, as a personal being. If you truly realize that the person that the, the, the Holy Spirit is a person that is a personal being, then you will not stop your relationship with Him even after uh, the service is over. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel. So they have forsaken Him and they have spurned the Holy Spirit. And the more you wallow in, in, in this corruption, the more you forsake the Lord, because the Holy Spirit cannot, cannot tolerate sin, sinfulness and wickedness, if you continue to, to stay in this state, then the Lord is going to, to, to remove Himself completely from you. And that is the characteristic of holiness. The ho- holiness cannot be mixed. In this church as well, if you're holy, then you would pro- God will propel you forward. You will become more and more intimate with, intimate with Him, and you would grow at an expo- exponential rate. That's the characteristic of holiness. Holiness cannot stand by while being mixed. For example, Buddhism. Buddhism. When you bang on the wooden bells in Buddhist in, in Buddhist temples, the, the, if, those those monks will not be disturbed even if you if you're on your cell phone next to them when when they're doing the rituals and 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 religious actions. Because uh, a very famous monk in a, in, a, in a big famous temple in Korea was caught gambling in a casino. And apparently a lot of the monks that were in that temple also gambled with one another within the temple. So they're not, they're not disturbed by these things at all. It doesn't matter if they gamble. If they were not caught, then it would not become an issue for them. It's just that they have, they have been caught by the media and that's why it, it created a huge issue. But the holiness that is present within the church of the Lord, it's a, it's, a, it's a different issue. Because if you if you gamble, if you play games within the presence of the Lord, where His holiness is present, then you would fall, fall away from the Lord. And that's why those who are holy become holier in this church, but those who are unholy become unholier in this church. And that is because of the characteristic of holiness. Now let's move on to verses 5 to 9. Why should you be beaten anymore? So what is this wickedness? What is this corruption? 
is that Israel is not to not fully turn away from the Lord. They know who the Lord is, and they think that they are serving the Lord. But whilst they are mixed, they cannot receive the Lord. While they're mixed, they cannot serve the God, serve God uh, correctly. So up until now, they have been beaten continuously by the Lord. Ever since Exodus, they have been beaten by God. But even though they are beaten to a pope, it, it's logical for them to return to the Lord, but yet they still persist in their rebel, rebellion, and that's why their whole head, their whole head is injured. That's how much they were beaten. Mm. It would be better if if they were beaten on the head and they were they had time to heal before the next beating. And in Singapore, there was a there was a law where if you break some sort of law. They have to be beaten in public. And they, they're beaten with these big sticks. And after one to two strikes, uh, their whole behind will be bruised. And for the next, for the next uh, couple of weeks, they will have to, to, to care for their behind until it is healed. They cannot even sit down properly without special cushions. But imagine getting continuous beatings one after another without, without the time to heal. And this is what Israel was going through. They had no time to heal before, in between beatings. When I was young, there was a very um, mischievous child. He was always full, full around by banging his head on the wall. So, so his head was constantly um, bandaged. Anyways, that was the state of Israel. Their whole heart uh, was afflicted. So after you sin, you, God strikes you. And if, if through that difficulty you're able to truly repent before the Lord, then that hardship, that difficulty becomes a benefit for you. But if you do not spend that time correctly with the Lord and, and being treated by God, then that hardship will become more of a cause for you to turn away from the Lord and, and uh, forsake Him. Because, the, because in that state, if you're not living with the Lord and realizing why God has given you this hardship, then you would pull on your sinful desires even more. You would hold hands with the world even more because now you have, you have more things that you need. And the more you do so, the more you, you, you build up your scars regarding uh, your spiritual hurts regarding the Lord and you develop a hatred for God and a dislike for Him. And that's why you lose all desire for the Lord. Your whole being starts to reject God.
and the the, um, the holy hardships and holy sufferings that God gives you gives you an advantage because if you follow behind him, he's going to make you to become better after that suffering. And at the end of it, you would, you would praise the Lord for this suffering. But a suffering that comes to you because of unresolved sin is different. Those sufferings, the more you spend in that time, the more you spend time in that suffering, the more your spirit will become dried up and you will uh, lose your desire and yearning for the Lord. And you will be filled with despair, depression, and discouragement. And, and that was like Jacob, the life of Jacob. Before uh, his encounter with the Lord uh, in the lake of uh, Jabok, he lived by his own strength. He achieved uh, everything through his own strength. But after that wrestle with the, uh, the messenger of the Lord, he finally realized that these sufferings, these hardships were given to him for a reason. Let's move on. Verse 6. Verse 6. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. So that's how much they were beaten. If you... They were not being healed by the Lord after each beating, but they were beaten after another beating. So their bruises were, were become more bruised and <laughs> their, their, their sores are becoming more and more sore because there's no time to heal. They were, they were unwilling to, be, uh, to, to get better. I hope none of you are like this. So touch, touch your bottoms right now. Check to see if they're bruised or not. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. So you, let's say you got hurt, there, there's an open wound on your arm, then you would put bandage on it, you would put medi medication on it so that it would become better. But there was no time for that. Another beating was coming towards them because of their uh, stubbornness. Before, when I looked at those who were very ill, I, uh, I was very heartbroken because they, they get a lot of shots especially cancer patients, they get a lot of shots. And because they got, get a lot of shots, their blood, uh, their veins are become very uh, weak from, from, from continual uh, penetrations. And their veins start to hide themselves to stop it from being uh, punctured. So it becomes more and more difficult for, for the doctors to find their veins in order to give them shots. Let's move on. <clears throat> I deeply hope that none of you reach this state. Only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged, were soothed with olive oil. 
when you have an open wound, you should soothe it with, with olive oil or with medication and bandage it up so that it does not get infected. But Israel is not giving a chance for the Lord to come and heal them and restore them after these beatings. And that is a very tragic thing. Israel was not ignorant towards the Lord. They knew who God is. Even though they have received the love of the Lord, and yet they have turned against Him. They have forsaken Him. And even people of the world, unbelievers, people who live according to their morals and, 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 and eth- uh, ethics, they do, not, they do not reach this state. But people who fall into religion are the most dangerous uh, group of people. Look at the Crusaders. Look at what they have done in the name of uh, in the name of our Lord. The evil that comes through the spirit of, of religion is the most dangerous thing that can happen to us. Verse seven. Your country is desolate. So verses 5 to 6 talks about the the corruption of Israel. And now it is the results. Their country becomes desolate. Your city is burned with fire. All their cities will be burned away. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you. During Hezekiah's reign. King Nebuchadnezzar came from, from, from Babylon and they had to take down all the gold, uh, all the gold and, and, and precious materials that used to build a temple to, to, to give it to um, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. So everything is stripped away by them, for them. And you need to understand from this message that we cannot live with what the world gives us. We cannot live whilst turning away from the Lord. We cannot live while not receiving grace from God. So it's not an excuse for you to say, I, I, I'm in this state. I'm tr- my life is tragic because of, of a lack of achievements, because I couldn't receive this, because I have no money, because I didn't have people, because I do not have spec- uh, specifications. This only applies to those who live according to the standards, according to the system of the world. But people, but people like us who live according to the kingdom of God, that this concept does not uh, apply, apply to us. The reason why we are children of God are broken, such as Israel, is because we, are, we, have mixed, we have mixed ourselves with the world. We have chased after those who, uh, we have chased after vanities. The reason why your life is broken is because you have uh, forsaken the Lord, not because of anything else. In 2024, our slogan is Babylon is being cut off. So it means we are separated from the world, which means we are entering the glory of God. We are being glorified by Him. No longer are we concerned about what the world gives and doesn't give us. We need to be able to say, do as you wish. Do as you wish. Verse 
Uh, verse 7, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. So all, they have, all the possessions they have, all they have is, will be stripped away, will be uh, taken away by foreigners. Now let's move on to verse 8. Daughter Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a cucumber field, like a city under siege. This is talking about the, the invasion of Assyria. Through that invasion, Israel lost everything. Nothing is left. Nothing is left in their vineyard. And after verse, uh, verse 10 talks about the protection of the Lord. But since that protection is lifted from them, they have nothing to protect them from the invasion, from the siege of Assyria. Everything will be put to waste. And the reason for this judgment is because of the love of the Lord. And this going under siege is talking about uh, southern Judah, but northern Israel, Israel is actually completely destroyed. That's how wicked they were. So if a child of God lives according to the world, then you will have nothing left to hold on to. Because our enemy is the world. In John, or, or in Revelations, it said this world is going to be destroyed in one moment. So why are you investing in this world that's going to disappear in a moment? Why do you pour your energy, pour your strength, pour your might and your investments into the world? And it's so fecal. Do not be mistaken into thinking that, that, that you have to live according to the things that the world gives you. The world has nothing to do with God. Verse 9. The last verse. We are ending a little bit early, I guess. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors. So this is talking about northern Israel. There were no survivors. And it is not yet time for Judah to be destroyed. We would, ha we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed by fire, northern Israel would be completely uh, destroyed. But not, it is not yet time for southern Judah to be destroyed yet. And there's a huge misunderstanding for you to think that your life is dependent upon what you can do, what you cannot do. Even if you cannot do anything, if you have the Lord, He will make you victorious. Even if you have everything, if you're not with the Lord, then you will be, you, you will be uh, defeated. Let's pray. Living Father, thank you so much for ending this, this, this year with such grace and such blessings. Lord, you help us to blow away all thoughts of negativity, depression, discouragement, and help us to open up, uh, would, you, would you open up the doors of 2024 wide to us so that we will see this victory every day. And would you pour all the power and authority that is necessary for us to receive this, this, this great victory every day. 
Lord, to purify this holy community and work through us, work in us. And would you bless this next year so that it will become such a blessed year that we will be recorded in the history books of your own church. Continue to unravel us. Help us to prepare our, our, our holiness. Help us to completely eradicate our own thoughts, our own ways, our own worlds, our self-centeredness. Bless the offering today. Would you receive it and use it for your, for your ministry. Let this, let this church be blessed with your prosperity so that we become a, a source of blessings for those who, who, who need it. Especially, would you bless your church businesses who will be in charge of receiving this prosperity in abundance. Let them all be raised in your riches. Now, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and through the love of the Holy Father, and through the indwelling, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit, let it be on the saints who are preparing and dreaming of the great victory given in 2024. Let it be upon their families, their children, their businesses, and be upon Durban Church, and upon, be, be upon all, this, uh, all the missionaries. Let it be from now on to forevermore. Amen.